0: this is it what satoshi's pouring from the sky stack some chips up
1: Featured creators this month in Word is uh, Citadel21's two very cool cats, Hottenaught and Bitcoin Katya. Uh, welcome to 21ism. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks uh, happy, for having us. Happy,
1: happy to be here. Uh, really cool to talk to you for the first time. Yeah, lovely. Uh, we've been uh, admiring your stuff. Um, well, for 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 a long time, not just not just um, what you're doing at Citadel Twenty One, but what you've uh, con- been contributing to the space before that too. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into all of that. But um, to kind of do a bit of a build up, I'd be quite interested to hear in what your sort of lives were before Bitcoin were, wh- how you grew up, and 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 what primed you to be ready for for Bitcoin when you when you encountered it. Um you've you've both grown up in different parts of the world to each other and to me and um so yeah, I'd be be curious what you think led you there in broad strokes. You go first, Katya.
0: <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I was uh, born and I grew up in Ukraine and basically living my almost my <laughs> whole life uh, in Ukraine. And um as far as I remember myself it was Always a hard economic situation in Ukraine. So basically, I was introduced uh, to the economic struggles from the very early years. And um, the situation with local currency was always so bad, like it's like tanking all the time. And uh, I just remember like my parents always discussing it, and it was always on TV like how broken is the system and the corruption. And, um, I was always like looking up to other currencies, like, uh, in, in Ukraine, for example, we just got used to store or our money, not in the local currency, of course, but in dollars or euros. And it's a pretty normal situation when you keep under the mattress, uh, like <laughs> packs of uh, dollars, of course, if you have any money. So that was, uh, like pretty much the economic mentality in which I grew up. And, uh, I remember several crises on my memory, at least, uh, three, one actually when, when, uh, um, I was born maybe a year after, um, like when, um, the Soviet union crashed and, uh, Ukraine became independent. So it was the first crisis and, uh, Things got bad really quickly and uh, my mom told me that uh, like if if they had anything, like my dad had a motorcycle and stuff like that. So that was uh, pretty much gone in one day because they had to <coughs> sell it and the currency was devalued so fast. And then it was in 90s, like pretty hard, uh, hard times. And then again... <laughs> Again and again, like basically every five years, something happened to the local currency. And then, of course, 2008, uh, which really affected my family a lot and the business uh, that we had. And then again, 2013, 2014, it was a crisis, like uh, war between um, Ukraine and Russia and uh, the local currency just uh, tanked so bad. Like I remember... Just overnight, like my salary was cut in two and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what am I going to do right now? So um, that that was pretty tough. But uh, I also studied e- economics. Uh, it was pretty random why I chose it. I was more interested in marketing, but of course, I had to go through the four years of higher education and economics. And for me, it was always a hard question, like uh, wh- why this works, why this should work if... I don't see that it actually works. I mean, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for anyone. There are so many so many questions uh, in all those theories. And um, I, I tried to learn it. And uh, some things went pretty easy with me. But there was, like, really the hardest subject in the university. And uh, it was money. I mean, it, it was called, like, that money. And... Um, I really had to stay after the classes and uh, like the teachers, like they said, okay, you don't understand. Let me explain you. And then I was like, again, like, okay, that doesn't really make much sense. And they say, okay, you don't understand. Just like read it, learn it, tell me what is written in the book and we will we'll be done. And I was like, okay, fine. So that's how it uh, was for me. And uh, my dad, he was uh, IT architect. He was very much into computers and coding, and uh, he spent, like, basically all his work and free time in this. And um, he was talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, like, very early. Uh, The earliest me and my mom remember him doing this is probably 2009, something like that. And he was, um, yeah, we, we of course, didn't pay attention to that. We were like, oh, wow, this is... uh, (laughs) This is something extraordinary, but yeah, cool, cool story, bro. And uh, <laughs> and uh, after that, um, yeah, he was he like back back in those days. He was uh, saying like, yeah, it's just a matter of time when people will start using digital currency. And he said that the main problem uh, at that time was that people didn't have um, like the the wallets the wallets to store this uh, thing. And uh, yeah, uh, then we didn't hear anything and uh, actually today's morning it just uh, broke into my memory again that I remembered how we did like a huge uh, cleanup uh, in his cabinet uh, room and he was like just throwing away old papers and like some old books and he actually threw away the private key. So um, that's uh, a sad story uh, that uh, we remember. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, I guess he just uh, threw it away. It was lost. He, he had just shitload of of papers, like with ideas, and like he drew these uh, schemes. And I guess uh, somewhere in between those uh, <laughs> schemes and the program architecture, there was somewhere. Uh, his private key, which um, he lost, and that was uh, really sad for him. Yeah, so um, I guess uh, I had just the uh, base or fundament, like why I would be interested in Bitcoin. And um, I discovered it a few times first uh, through my dad, but I didn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. And then I had a lot of questions, like from <laughs> just studying economics and being exposed to this uh, money theories, and then I discovered it again in 2015, I guess. But um, again, I was like not so much convinced. I, I I thought, wow, this is like really great phenomenon, but it, it didn't like click to me that okay, I like I need to <laughs> start taking sets. No, I just thought, yeah, this is cool. This is what will help us. Like uh, to get to the sovereignty from government and fix our like money system uh, problem. Uh, But then it happened that I just started to work in the space full time. Uh, And uh, yeah, that's basically how I just got very, very deep into the topic. So basically that's my journey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Your dad sounds like a remarkable man. What a what what a what a gift to uh, pass on, even if um, you know you didn't get involved at the time. But it definitely so, seems like he uh, he built the framework for you to uh, well, uh, and your and your experience of growing up in in, in a country with uh, problematic uh, currency. Um, but yeah, that's fascinating. And well, What about you, Hodlnord? Yeah, <clears throat> a very different story, I imagine, growing up in a very different part of the world.
2: Yeah, completely different story like we touched upon before we pressed record here. I grew up in a social democratic uh, country where, uh, like, very different from uh, Katya's uh, reality in uh, Ukraine. Um, I think what primed me for Bitcoin is, uh, like, part of it is just my character. I've always been independent thinker and uh, curious Curious person, but I was I was into computers from a very early age, uh, back from the eight bit era, and uh, started programming early when I was a kid. Uh, just completely fascinated with uh, the digital world. Started gaming on my Commodore sixty four and my Amiga, obviously. Uh, became a huge uh, pirate, like pirating games was. Uh, amazing. Uh, We did this kind of swapping thing where I had the pen pals all over Europe and we sent each other uh, lists of the games we had and uh, these huge packs with maybe 20, 30 floppy disks of uh, pirated games back and forth. Uh, um, uh, Started working, took an education in uh, in uh, computers, started working as a programmer. Uh, was very aware of what things that was happening in the world, and that made me like slowly go from being straight up socialist to questioning a lot of things. I think for me personally, uh, the aftermath of uh, 9/11 in the in the US, like the Twin Tower attack. That whole thing uh, was the start of a lot of illusions falling for me. Uh, like I started realizing that uh, we were being lied to a lot in many different ways. Uh, I discovered the fractional reserve banking, like uh, how the horrible system of uh, global central banking and uh, how that basically enslaves people to a high degree. Um so when when I when I first read about Bitcoin quite randomly uh, in some uh, uh, online publication, uh, it, it it just resonated instantly with me. Uh, I was a huge fan of torrent, like BitTorrent technology. Uh, I was mm-hmm. so amazed by like the concept of decentralization and the power of decentralization and how hard and impossible it was for authorities to get rid of pirate bay for example like yeah you can take down this and this and this but it doesn't really matter because this is completely decentralized and it's just a hydra it will you can't kill it
1: mm-hmm.
2: so i immediately saw the parallel in bitcoin and and obviously what blew my mind the most was the 21 million cap the scarcity aspect that was very clear to me from day one that uh, 21 million is all there will ever be. If I can have even one of these, that's just fucking crazy. Uh, we are so many people and so many nations and so many institutions in this world. And you're telling me that I can own one 21 millionth of all of these and I can com- completely control control them myself i can i don't need to ask for any kind of permission there are no middlemen it just appealed to everything in me like my independent character like all the freedom uh, this thought brought me even though obviously bitcoin success was not a given at that time but the promise was just so fucking big that uh, my convictions for some reason just was instantly set in stone and uh, this conviction has honestly not not uh, faltered at any point in time since since the day when I discovered Bitcoin. I I just had this very very strong belief all the time since then. And uh, uh, I think there's a reason we end up in this talking about cult and religion and. Uh, these things because it kind of there is a very strong esoteric aspect to the whole to Bitcoin and to the journey with Bitcoin. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's really mind blowing to me uh, the type of change we are set to affect in the world and uh, how all the things that was, you know, just uh, wild hopium dreams uh, years ago is now actually happening. And in front of our eyes, and things that few would believe uh, three years ago are just happening every day right now. And always, the next day is just wilder than the day before. So, uh, feels to me like we are somehow just creating reality as we go here.
1: I know it, <clears throat> it's quite mind blowing. It does definitely feels like we're on the frontier. Yeah, um, and and I can I can definitely relate to. Um the way that you that we all get consumed by it it sort of starts after discovery uh the discovery of bitcoin it starts with a sort of intellectual uh gravity and that then transforms into this sort of moral gravity and and all of a sudden mm. it it's your it's your north star right like uh, american hoddle has uh, has has called it before mm. um yeah. so i used to be <clears throat> um like technologically savvy, I, I was working in a recording studio. I had to know about technology, but in terms of sort of social media, I was very, uh, I was trying to retrograde and, and and definitely go the other way of, of, of general um, cultural trends. And so it wasn't until January nineteen that I actually, despite being being in in, in Bitcoin longer, um, a few years longer than that, uh, that I that I finally succumb uh, succumbed, what uh, succame well, succumb to Twitter.
2: Succumb, so, oh, right so, uh, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then, as I men- have mentioned to you before, I I immediately saw the early stages of the trust chain and the way that that kind of grew from you sort of exchanging or, or sending doing some test transfers of of sats on uh, tipping.me. And then how that became the actual trust chain, and, and how that developed. So I'm curious for for, for both of you, um, what was it that made you go from a Bitcoiner, intellectually starved, uh, you know, keep on uh, uh, kept on feeding on, on 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 information, to actually contributing to the space in the way that you guys have both done. Will you go first, (laughs) Katja?
0: Yeah, I'm just uh, thinking what it really was. I think I was always fascinated with the phenomenon. But I guess the big, big thing that actually made me uh, realize that this can be very real and that people need to know about this is when, uh, I guess, when I traveled with my mom, we went in Prague and I passed by the parallel Nepalis and I saw the Bitcoin coffee place. And that's when I stopped and I said, wow, this is actually real. Like this is applicable to real life. Like I can go there and um, actually use it. So we went and we had a coffee and uh, I mean, it was just a great experience. And uh, for me, that was a great realization. Like this is actually that we like this is actually that like something that we can really use. So it's not just like some news article telling about yeah, Bitcoin is fifty dollars now or something like that. But there are people that are actually building building businesses uh, on this um phenomenon. And that was pretty big for me. And since then I was just like every every day I was um into the topic and um, I I, uh, restored my Twitter account and I started to look into Bitcoin Twitter. But I guess at that time it was more like a cryptocurrency Twitter, at least for me, because there was like a lot of accounts that were telling about different kinds of altcoins. So it took uh, some time until it actually crystallized in what we started to call Bitcoin Twitter. And uh, yeah, that was uh, fascinating. And um, personally, for me, I always wanted to do some projects. Um, I consider myself uh, that I actually support anarchism and I don't think that anarchism is like political political system. I consider this more as a philosophy. And for me, Bitcoin is just very well fit into this uh, philosophy together with the phenomenon of internet and 3d printing stuff like that so i was always thinking about how we can actually separate ourselves from the government and uh, make the government like performing it's just administrative things and that we have more freedom in uh, deciding what should we do like the political decentralization and uh, stuff like that and of course uh, separating uh, money from the government, which we can fully control. And uh, as long as I was thinking about doing some like project around anarchism and uh, maybe joining some uh, zines or publications, because I had all these uh, thoughts about the decentralization and uh, like how it can improve our lives, I was reading several researches about political decentralization. And I guess just having that uh, aspiration, um, just wanting to contribute, just to make more people realize that uh, there is a light in the end of the tunnel. So I guess um, maybe all together, it was just the right time. So all these thoughts like basically collided and um, and uh, in the end, I just realized, yeah, we need to do something, something around around Bitcoin because there is so much more, uh, so much more about Bitcoin than just being an an asset. And uh, I guess also one of the reasons why I thought doing uh, a good project in Bitcoin was just to try to fight the myths around uh, Bitcoin and. Uh, Back in 2017, when I was like super uh, deep down this uh, rabbit hole, I think what majority did not realize and still like newcomers or p- potential newcomers, they don't think about it, that Bitcoin is not just just an asset. There is much more. It's, it's culture. It's uh, just, just mind-blowing set of things that, or I would say set of ideas that can actually transform our life a lot.
1: Totally. And an and, uh, inability to not share that and uh, a desire yeah. as opposed to, uh, yeah, to push that as far and wide as you can. Yeah, I hear that.
0: Yes, the space is just like very, very limited. We can talk with our friends and families, like in the kitchen or at the dining table or just having a calls, But but we can't just uh, consolidate all, all this information and show them like, here, see, here is like just person, just like you. And this is how Bitcoin transformed their lives. And this is what they think, this is what they see. And this, um, I mean, it, it just helps to build more trust and, um, and maybe make the, the belief for these people stronger.
1: Beautiful. And is that similar? If, is that similar for you, there, space cat?
2: <clears throat> yeah, in, in in some ways, at least. Uh, I will. For many years now, I had uh, like. Way before I picked up this Hodlunot, uh Twitter account name, uh, I was very active on other forums under different. <laughs> completely different uh handles uh, like started with the bitcoin talk forums and uh was there for a year or two uh racking up a huge number of posts uh, ended up having <laughs> having that account uh, hacked by some chinese uh, uh individual uh i think maybe he's still posting under that account today bitcoin <laughs> talk some scam scam thing, and then uh, was on Reddit for a long time. Um, always had a, a very strong urge to, uh, I would say, mostly oppose all the misinformation around Bitcoin, like the big blockers. And uh, it's kind of wild to me today, uh, or not wild. I'm just observing that most people don't realize the, the extent of bad actorship by people like Roger Ware. Like how hard and with which methods he worked tirelessly to destroy Bitcoin. Uh, And he had traction. The big block movement had traction for a while. It it was like, I think both Reddit and Bitcoin talk, maybe mostly Reddit was a total war zone for a long time. And I have huge respect for people like Bashko who was moderating Reddit and our Bitcoin and still is moderating it. uh, Because uh, those were pretty sketchy days in terms of uh, Bitcoin being attacked and uh, the narrative war going on and and all of that. So I was was, uh, constantly trying to help in that fight uh, on the information battlefield. Uh, before HODLENOT. But then uh, I decided to, like, basically for privacy reasons, I just scrapped all my old identities and uh, created this HODLENOT character. Uh, Had someone make this uh, avatar for me, uh, which I thought was really cool. And then I kind of stepped up the amount of time I spent uh, communicating with people in the space, and since that day, uh, since I created this uh, this character, everything has just kind of happened in a, at its own pace. And since, like, you're, you mentioned the Lightning Trust Chain, which started in January 19, it's uh, not even two years ago. And everything that happened in my life since then is just yeah, crazy, straight up crazy. I never would have imagined anything of this to happen to me. And I didn't actively try to make it happen. Uh, like the trust chain just spontaneously happened. And I, it kept gaining momentum and I kept, <laughs> I kept listening to the momentum and just, uh, followed up on it basically. And, uh, then Craig Wright, uh, popped up, uh, and, uh, Decided uh, to to go after me, uh, which was insane in its own way, and it's still going on. By the way, almost two years of this bullshit, uh, and uh, then I met Katya, which uh, is amazing. And then we decided to make Citadel Twenty One, and like the, the the common thing with all of this is that. It feels to me like I all I do is allow it to happen and uh, and and continue to keep it real as best as I can and uh, yeah. So my my plan has has always been and will continue to be to just stay true to my own nature and uh, do the things that uh, result from
0: that and see what happens, basically. you were just saying how
1: basically um how you just let things happen um just let, let things come to you
2: yeah I, I i don't know if you know but i would say my my most uh, or like the biggest uh, guiding thing in my life has been for the last I would say 15 years or so, maybe even more uh, stoicism. And uh, that's just Bitcoin ties so beautifully into stoicism. And that's all about not uh, worrying about uh, stuff that is outside of your control, uh, but uh, putting all your focus and efforts into the very few things which are inside your control. hmm And that is uh, how you react to events and uh, uh, basically how well you're able to transmit who you really are into this world. So I try to just focus on that. And uh, it seems to me like that's a really good idea because uh, (laughs) at least what's coming back to me uh, since ever since I went on that path has been very positive and it also makes me uh, very resistant to being afraid of outcomes i don't really care too much about outcomes Mm. just care about what i put in
1: i can completely relate to that and i don't know how, how it came about but i've always always been a great believer since being a teenager in listening to your gut you know following your instinct too many people—they have lost their connection to their gut instinct. I think for some reason.
2: The moment you do that, the moment you you actually lose that connection, you are you are not free in any way, and you are just like you know a leaf in the on the wind, just blowing in all kinds of random uh, directions, and just always navigating by other people's reaction to you, and uh, uh, like you want to please people, and you want to do this, and you want to do that, and you—it's completely inauthentic and. Uh, we can't allow that connection to be broken.
1: Mm-hmm. I completely agree, and and somehow it's our tether to the natural world. I think, and or, or to the universe, it, uh, to not sound too uh, airy fairy about it. And I remember even as a teenager, too introspective and uh, too uh, uh, analytical for my own good, perhaps. But I remember thinking that that was what God was. At least that was that's how I made sense of God you know something that just popped up inside you and and since then i've not that i'm you know religious in any sort of conventional way but ever since then i've just believed that you have to lean back into life you know almost that trust exercise that you do on really bad corporate days out um not that I've ever had an office job but that's what I imagine bad corporate days out of like you know leaning back into life and just letting it carry you where, where where you need to go so i completely relate to that yeah so in you leaning leaning into life it it carried you to both of you to um, was it the lightning conference in berlin that you met each other yeah that was the uh, i
2: was that was like the The time we met each other and realized that we wanted to meet each other more. But we had Mm. already met each other once a year previous in uh, in Riga uh, at the Baltic Honey Badger.
0: Yeah, that's actually how we met in Twitter when I posted uh, who is going to Baltic Honey Badger and uh, Hodlannot jumped into my DMs. And (laughs) we agreed that, yeah, it would be great to say hi (laughs) yeah so that's when we met the uh, first time but um after that that was uh, some period of no communication and until we met again
1: mm-hmm. fantastic and so it seems to me just being a you know I'm, tell me if i'm being too uh sort of like a bit of a curious mum or something uh but uh, that uh you fairly quickly then moved to moved to norway after that
0: um yeah, actually fairly quickly um, mm-hmm. after our meeting uh, in uh, Berlin. I, um, I think we, we dated like uh, partially remotely for a few weeks, uh, maybe around a month, actually. And uh, after that, I stayed for one month in Kiev more, and then I came to Norway, and then... Uh, yeah, it was just decided that I'm gonna relocate. So it took me uh, a few months to relocate to Norway, and uh, since um, beginning of April, I'm officially here. <laughs>
1: Fantastic! And how how you found it? Obviously, it's a it's a slightly different, but I also imagine in in some ways similar culture. Um, there's some shared history, you know. Uh, are, are raping and pillaging around. Uh, I say our just as a as a fellow Scandi, right? Um, but so so I imagine that there are certain cultural sort of similarities, but uh, also very different and uh, at a strange strange time as well with the pandemic going on.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was really super weird and I would say like really stressful. Um, but I would start uh, from the shared history. It's true that we have some shared history because uh, uh, the king who, correct me, because <laughs> I may be mistaken here, uh, who founded uh, Oslo, he was actually married to Ukrainian princess, And that's uh, <laughs> the, the greatest connection, uh, historical connection. And... Uh, Regarding culture, I would say uh, it's probably a, a little bit different. But when I say that, I, I mainly mean that Ukrainian culture is all about like revolution and being independent. So through all my school years and through all my university years, I was basically programmed for like being so like independent, not to bend in not bending uh, the knee to any of the invaders. So I guess it's also like um, in, in my vision of the world and uh, from what I see, Norwegians are more like, uh, I, I would say just too loyal to the things that happen around. Yeah, so uh, for me, this is a little bit uh, foreign because not that I'm like Karen complaining about uh, everything, but I really don't like injustice and lies. And uh, for example, when I see what happens in the world today, I mean, I can't stay too, too loyal. I mean, if, if um, I mean, in Ukraine right now, there are protests happening, of course, like almost no one is reporting on that. But if uh, I had a chance, like, I mean, today I would be in the city center and protesting <laughs> probably mm. like bring back uh, our liberties or I guess uh, in in the current case, I would uh, probably demand to show us uh, the correct uh, information. I guess that would be the main thing. And um, I uh, relocated here during the pretty stressful time. Maybe you, Hudlinat, can tell about this.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mean the le- how you
1: got here the last yes. time? Yeah.
0: Yes, huh how the border almost closed i
1: remember there was something you were stuck in immigration and all sorts just from uh, snooping on twitter
2: yeah it was uh, it was a very close call when katya got here, actually it was just things happened really fast uh, back then uh, as with all of these authoritarian power grabs like suddenly this huge manufactured fear is uh, Being done and uh, rash decisions are being made very fast. So, Katja was uh, uh, like before she had started her uh, employment here in Norway, she was uh, she decided to go back to to Kiev to spend time with family um, uh, and was set to return to Norway. Was it a couple of weeks later, Katja?
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh... You were about to come to Kiev as well because we wanted to visit my grandma and yeah. my dad. Yeah,
2: and I had ordered uh, tickets uh, to Kiev to yeah to visit her family. I mean, I had already met her her mother, but uh, we wanted to wish, uh, visit her grandma in another part of the country and stuff like that. But suddenly things were happening really fast, and I remember I called Katya and told her, uh, I think you need to order new new tickets because i'm very worried about what's happening now that seems like potentially because then uh, sweden and denmark or maybe it was only denmark i think who was very early back then uh suddenly just closed down their borders uh, and uh, i mean uh, katja had a new job she was going to start and uh, obviously if the borders are closed down then the question is when will you be able to get here and uh it seemed imperative that she got here before before they closed, but in initially Katya you were a little bit uh, skeptical so you didn't instantly just uh, turn around and order new tickets but I think then already the day after things had escalated further and, uh, yeah, they and
0: are, uh, yeah
2: and uh, That's actually and, uh, and then you uh, you actually ordered the tickets uh, uh And I I was like, I think you basically need to order tickets for today or the next day. And and, and I think you ended up ordering tickets like two or three days in the uh, forward. Was it something like that?
0: Uh, I think it was something like that. But I just remember when I arrived, it was the last day and actually it was... One of the light uh, latest flights allowed to Norway. So the next one after me, the border just closed. The next plane after me, the border just closed. And it was super surreal when I was in the airport because military was everywhere. And uh, like wh- when I arrived, like military guy just. Um, you had to be interviewed down,
2: by military, and uh, I was interviewed by military like, who am I? How can I guarantee that you are staying? There? And I had already prepared and had this statements that we had you also had a statement that i had written right with uh, basically it was uh, she got in by the skin of her teeth it was just like super close and if you hadn't got in how absurd if you hadn't got in then it would have been a lot of months until uh, god knows how long and what would have happened with your job yeah employment and everything uh it was it was uh extremely relieving when uh, when you got in and i remember we spoke the evening before you came because then there, i mean there were all kinds of confusing news going on and the news then were like borders are closed no one's getting in period so we talked on the phone like yeah that uh, fucking sucks uh, wonder when we will see each other again basically but then you decided to try
0: mm-hmm.
2: like to still try Uh, and it worked out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Basically when I was going to the airport, my mom was like, are you sure that you will (laughs) go through? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know, but I will try. And it was pretty tricky at the border because I had, um, I had one stop in Riga and when I arrived in Riga, like it was so messy there because there was a lot of people like uh, trying to get uh, somewhere. And I had the documents that I have uh, the interview, but the interview is in like, like in, in the in interview in the immigration, but it was in April. So it's like more than one month until then. And uh, at the border, they were like, yeah, what, what is the reason? I say, well, I have an uh, interview and they started to consult with other people. Like, should we let her in? Like, like, what should we do? I was so stressed, like, I mean, it would suck to get uh, out of Kiev, come to Riga, and just go back <laughs> on the halfway.
1: What an anticlimax, as your life is about to, uh, you know, take a turn, and uh, but then threatening to take a turn that you weren't planning.
0: Yeah, and uh, it would be so hard to do Citadel remotely.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, it all seems very serendipitous, you know, uh, the way the way your your story has um, sort of led up until up, up to that point, and then uh, and then continuing on. Because of course, you then got settled in Oslo, and you guys gave birth to a beautiful Bitcoin baby. Uh, mm. it out to anyone, <laughs> so so. Was that something that you guys had already started talking about before you uh, moved in together? Or was that something that once you were there together chatting Bitcoin all the time, and, and uh, was there something that took shape then? Tell me a bit about that. Uh,
2: it, uh, it it happened quite spontaneously. I, I, I don't remember when we first talked about it, Kati. You had... Kati had initially... Uh, mentioned to me that she had a dream about starting her own scene. Uh, Yeah, but I
0: was more thinking about like, um, not only about Bitcoin, but
2: format as a very like rough rough and real uh, grassroots like that we wanted to get out these unedited voices and uh, i think we decided very quickly that yeah let's fucking do that and then it was just a matter of just a matter of uh talking about and philosophizing about uh, about uh, how we're gonna execute it and uh, fun stuff like name and uh, logo and uh, format, I guess.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I I think we maybe talked like once or twice about this until we actually decided uh, that we are doing it. So we just had such a great intention that we didn't spend a lot of time like fantasizing around the idea it was just set in stone like really quickly as said. yeah Yeah,
1: it sounds wonderfully organic
2: and we were obviously very free and we didn't need to worry since we we didn't intend to monetize it so we i mean we were not uh, we didn't need this to be successful Uh, whatever happened would be cool however many wanted to contribute would be cool we just just wanted to do something to do something that we thought was cool, and uh, we were super happy to find out that it resonated with uh, more people than ourselves. And uh, uh, it's been real, been a real cool journey so far.
1: Well, as an outsider, it's 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 fucking amazing, and um, you know, it not not only do you celebrate uh, Bitcoin, you celebrate all the. Different voices of, of the space, many of them sort of uh, not voices that I've been heard before, um, and all with a sort of cyberpunk uh, ethos and, and and feel to it. And um, yeah, I think it's wonderful, and, and for me and uh, many others, it's been uh, it's been inspirational. And you know, it totally resonates with me what you're talking about the the freedom of doing what you want and not be beholden to anyone because as you know i've 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 had a creative career as a songwriter before um retiring from that a few years ago and that was always what 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 ended up kind of depressing me was not having the freedom to carry out the vision that you had because there was some dick somewhere uh keeping the gate and uh deciding what was what was and wasn't the right thing to do so um it gives an immense, immense freedom, and I think that's why you guys have such a um, pure and unfettered uh, vibe. In lack of better, more descriptive words,
2: maybe it's maybe it's as easy as as uh, that the vibe is pure and unfettered, uh, just because it is. Because uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the moment you... <laughs> the moment you start any percentage of pretending or or uh, having ulterior motives or like scheming about uh, how things are going to be received and all that horrible, that horrible road. it just you lose the authenticity completely the moment you lose a little bit of it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I'm personally a huge fan of Joe Rogan and I've been for a very long time uh, now. I've been an MMA fan for ages, so I kind of feel like I know him from a long, long way back. And what he's done with the Joe Rogan experience is both very inspirational, but uh, also extremely interesting in the sense that the very reason that Joe Rogan has gotten the voice he has today is because he has kept it real. And mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a pretty pretty big big signal and a pretty big piece of information right there uh like that's basically all you need to do in my opinion Mm -hmm. uh just just keep it real just just don't don't scheme about constructing some soundbite or that or running some kind of uh, polls to see what uh, will will be received best or like and, and also like his long form conversations, which which go deep and also pull out the realness of the people he he talks to, is uh, it actually has brought me a lot of hope and uh, and good cheer to to see that people want this, people really want that uh, authentic uh, long form conversation, uh, which we were told was like just a thing of the past and like the modern. The, the way of the modern era is just these compressed, sterile bits of uh, pre-measured uh, uh, monetization bullshit. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: man, people are ready for real content. They're yeah. hungry for it. And I think Absolutely. that's probably because there has been such a history of of, of fiat drivel uh, yeah. for a long time now, yeah. you know, and and sort of dumbing, dumbing yourself down to appeal to the broadest audience or whatever the reason is, you know, or because plebs couldn't possibly understand if you went into something deeper and more complex exactly and uh, that is that is definitely changing yeah um, and and also I, I I find this and I'm sure you guys uh, might too is that there's a there's a there's a new freedom to working behind a, a pseudonymous account or an avatar because you're judged on your ideas and it's very difficult I think the bigger your account becomes I'm still a minuscule nobody on Twitter uh, but I could imagine the bigger your account becomes there might be a temptation to attribute some ego to your avatar even but it's a it's a it's a good way of keeping ego out of it
2: yeah, yeah that's that's a, that's a, that's a battle everyone has to fight for themselves like the uh, and it it goes straight to what we touched on a little earlier about stoicism and uh, trying to uh, be true to your nature. Uh, like the ego will always be there, and it's like it's a very natural part of us, obviously. But to basically keep your ego in in check and and not start like not start and enjoying it too much, or like thinking you are something you're not, or letting other people's attention turn you into something you're not. But to just basically staying staying humble. It's. Uh it's it's something something that definitely a lot of people are not able to do, and we see it a lot in this space too. That as people as people's voice grow, they their voice also loses uh, authenticity and, credi- and then as a result also loses credibility.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, guys, uh, so do you have any sort of further plans with? Um... Citadel twenty one apart from just continuing to pump out uh, amazing uh, graphics and articles etc what what is sort of in your future do you think?
0: I think right now we are really trying to solve uh, the issues we have with the shipping and uh, printing and that's uh, like the ongoing process but uh, really very important to sort. But if we talk about like the future, how how we would like to extend Citadel, I think that uh, what we would like to do is probably we see that people are really interested in having like the printed manifestations of this uh, Bitcoin only culture uh, made by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. And uh, we sort of were thinking and a lot of people were suggesting this, that um, we should uh, move towards producing probably more things and we were thinking about working on merch so definitely in 2021 we're gonna work on uh, a little fashion line <laughs> within nice, Citadel nice. yeah but uh, just as Citadel 21 it's gonna be something unique we would like to avoid just doing uh the, hoodie with a logo so we are exploring uh a, a lot of ideas about what we can do and uh, that's gonna be gonna be interested gonna be interesting but uh, also limited mm. so uh we will see and uh, i'm
1: sure it, i'm pretty sure it's gonna be cool as fuck so i i Oh, yeah, I look forward to it.
0: Yeah, I was just uh, thinking that uh, like the, the global strategy, like the strategy we started with, we're probably continuing, but we didn't have a general assembly meeting uh, yet to find out like are we gonna tweak Citadel somehow. We we made an announcement about the changes that uh, the changes due to the shipping issue that we are moving our production to U.S. But I, but I guess down the road uh, we may see if we change Citadel a little bit more. <laughs> we will see.
2: Yeah, hmm. yeah. I think uh, key and first first priority is to like uh, we really want to keep producing the physical scenes because it's so cool to have a uh, something physical out there in mid space. But. Uh, it's very challenging, and as Katja mentioned, we have been forced to to move out of Finland with our with our printing and shipping because of some crazy new regula- uh, rules on uh, on shipping outside of EU. They want everyone reg- mm. registered electronically with all their details, and uh, that's not something we can do with good conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're currently trying to ship uh, 300 kilograms of uh, Bitcoin cultural scenes uh, over the Atlantic, uh, which is uh, quite a huge mess and uh, quite a logistics operation, actually, for us. And uh, uh, it uh, ob- obviously is also quite a huge economic hit for Citadel 21. It costs a lot of money uh, and it uh, it takes time. It's... Uh, it's uh, Challenging towards our customers, uh, etc. So uh, we really want to keep doing this, but uh, to be able to keep doing it, we obviously need to sell enough scenes to to not go into the red. And uh, so far, Citadel Twenty One has uh, been uh, by no means been uh, a gold mine for us. It's been uh, basically. We have, we are working completely without uh, any kind of pay uh, for this mm-hmm. to to keep it keep it going. So we are completely dependent on bitcoiners actually buying these scenes for us to continue doing it. So we we hope that people help spread the word about us and uh, and uh, that as many as possible support us by going to our shop and uh, actually purchasing some scenes because. Uh, uh we sold out volume one but uh, volume two three and four have uh have not sold anywhere close to that and basically have not sold enough to to be profitable uh which means that we are in the red on all those volumes so uh um yeah i guess we we have to step up even more our efforts to get the word out there and we hope that the community will will help keep helping us by uh actually buying the scenes because that's that's needed if we're gonna keep uh, keep birthing them into Meatspace. space
1: yeah well i'm um I'm loving my yearly subscription and i've been uh, enjoying getting them uh, through the door so um as they as they as they keep trickling in i shall uh, <laughs> keep keep enjoying them
2: yeah thanks thanks a lot for that support
1: by the way so yeah i mean i i um I admire what you guys do and have been doing will continue to do and I really look forward to seeing what you uh, will come up with in, in the magic year 21. Yeah. <laughs> Surely it's going to be a magical year. It might not be for, for those who've been black-pilled but for all those who've been orange-pilled it's going to be a, a fantastic year I'm sure.
2: I'm sure, uh, I'm sure a lot of people will have uh, fun staying poor in 2021 as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's such a beautifully arrogant and, and, and funny meme at the same time. Yeah, I love it. It's,
2: yeah. uh, that, that's part of the meme, right? That this has so many many levels to it.
1: Exactly. But guys, um, fantastic work. And thanks so much for, uh, for, for joining us and for writing a great piece, uh, sharing some personal uh, details and history with us. And uh, I hope you have a really fantastic Christmas.
2: Uh, YouTube others, uh thanks a lot for having us and uh, uh, we're also really impressed with uh, what you guys are doing when, with 21ism, so keep that up and uh, have a really good Christmas.
1: We're just trying to keep up, you know, with all, with all you guys.
2: Yeah, you're, you're doing a great job. We really l- love your work.
0: Yeah, we're looking up to your website to see if we can <laughs> if we can do something similar maybe
1: right, well if we can ever collaborate in some sort of way let's um
2: let's, let's do it
1: okay well bitcoin hugs and uh, should you ever uh, come uh, come down to the south of france there is um a um, a guest house with your uh, with your name on it
2: really appreciate it hope uh, really hope we can uh, take you up on it uh, sometime soon <laughs>
1: check out yourselves
2: take care brother
0: take care bye bye